Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson live from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda amma ba'd. We continue, my dear brothers and sisters, with the chapter discussing the shafa'ah, the intercession, and the stance of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah towards the Shafa'ah, which takes place in the next life. And the author, Rahimahullah, he mentioned in his book and he said, And surely, Jazakallahu Khairan, and surely the Messenger of Allah will intercede for the creation. And surely the Messenger of Allah will intercede for the creation. The Sheikh says that the affirmed intercession is of many types. The Shafa'a, the intercession that takes place in the next life, my brothers and sisters, are of many different types. Some of them are specific to Rasulullah. There is some Shafa'a that happens in the next life that is specific to our Prophet. And then there are types of shafa'a which are shared between the Prophet ﷺ and the other prophets, the Prophet ﷺ and the angels and the awliya and the righteous. There's different types of shafa'a that takes place in the next life. But we mentioned last week that a shafa'a cannot happen in the next life unless it meets two conditions. Who can remind us of those two conditions? Majid. Excellent. The first condition is that Allah has to allow for the shafa'ah to happen. And the one interceding for must be approved by Allah, meaning he must be a believer. Ahsan. Excellent. These are the two conditions. So in the next life, there is some shafa'ah that is specific to the Prophet ﷺ. The first of them is the grand intercession, or what's known as a shafa'atul kubra, the major intercession, or the grand intercession, where the Prophet ﷺ will intercede for the people at the place of standing, where the people are standing on Yawm al Qiyamah, standing before Allah Azza wa Jal. The location of the gathering where mankind will be standing for a long period of time. Their eyes will be staring upward. This is the position of the people when they are standing, waiting for Allah to judge between them. They are standing for a long period of time. With their eyes staring up, they will be barefoot, naked, and uncircumcised. As the hadith mentioned, and the sun will draw close to them, and the people will be in sweat up to their necks, and some less than that. And Allah Azza wa Jal, regarding that day, He said, "Fi yawmin kana miqdaruhu khamsina alfasana." In a day, the measure whereof is fifty thousand years. Fifty thousand years. That day is fifty thousand years. There's a grey Toyota 
Corolla, my dear brothers, parked in front of the skip bin. Please remove it as a brother needs to leave. Whoever has a grey, Toyota Corolla. Barakullah fikum. So Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that this day is equivalent to 50,000 years. This cannot be comprehended, my brothers and sisters. Imagine people standing for that long, waiting for the judgment from Allah Azza wa Jal. So the people will go forth seeking out someone who will intercede. It becomes very difficult. So the people start going to look for someone who can perform the shafa'ah on their behalf with Allah Azza wa Jal. So they go to Adam alayhi salam as the hadith mentions. Then they go to Nuh alayhi salam. Then to Ibrahim. Then to Musa. Then to Isa alayhi salam. And all of them will excuse themselves from interceding. None of them intercede in front of Allah. Each one offloads the people to another prophet or messenger. Adam sends them to Nuh. Nuh sends them to Ibrahim. Ibrahim sends them to Musa and so forth. And they say, indeed, Allah has become angry in a manner that he has never been more angry before this day or after it. So they excuse themselves from interceding with Allah until eventually the people go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he says, it's for me. Ana laha. I am the one for this job. And then he goes forward to Allah azza wa jal and he prostrates in front of Allah beneath his throne. And he praises Allah with different types of praises, supplicating to him with complete submission until it said, O Muhammad, raise your head. Allah says to him, Ya Muhammad, raise your head. Ask, you will be given and intercede, your intercession will be accepted. And that's where the Prophet will not intercede until after the permission is given to him and he is the leader of mankind who has been granted the grand, the major intercession. And it is a station of praise and glory as Allah Azza wa Jal says and in some part of the night offer salah with it, meaning recite the Qur'an in the prayer as an additional prayer, the tahajjud. For you, O Muhammad, it may be that your Lord will raise you to a maqamun mahmud. And that maqam al-mahmud is the position where he does the shafa'ah. This is the maqam al-mahmud. So the first intercession that is only strictly for Rasulullah is that one. And that's the greatest of them. That's the biggest one. That's the intercession where Allah removes so many of the Muslims out of hellfire and saves them from it. The second intercession that is specific to Rasulullah is the one for the people of Jannah to enter Jannah. The people of Jannah cannot enter Jannah until our Prophet intercedes with Allah for the gates to be open. And we get that from the hadith. When they come to Jannah, the doors will not open immediately. Imagine the believers crossing the Sirat. They passed and they reached the gates of Jannah. 
And the Prophet ﷺ is there and the gates are closed. So they're standing, waiting. Until our Prophet ﷺ knocks on the gate of paradise. And then it says, which is the Malaika. Because the angels are gatekeepers. The, the gate of Jannah, just like the gate of hellfire, they have gatekeepers from angels. And then they say, who is it? And then the Prophet ﷺ says, it is Muhammad wasallam. And then the angel replies and he says, I was ordered not to open these gates to anyone besides you. But this is another type of intercession. The gate of Jannah do not open until our Prophet ﷺ intercedes and has the gate opened by Allah Azza wa Jal. The third intercession is the, <coughs> is the intercession for the ranks of the people of Jannah to be raised. My brothers and sisters, the Shafa'a is not only to take people out of hellfire into Jannah, the Shafa'a is also for the people in Jannah to go up to higher levels. This is amazing. So you might earn paradise, but you're in one of the lower levels of Jannah. But through the Shafa'a, your level can go higher. This is all from Allah's Fadl, Allah's virtue and His rewards. <clears throat> the fourth intercession is the intercession for the Prophet Wasallam's uncle Abu Talib. We mentioned that there's no shafa'a for a disbeliever. And this is the haqq. The only exception from that is the uncle of Rasulullah Abu Talib. The Prophet will intercede for him. But the intercession of the Prophet for his uncle is not to remove him from hellfire. Because no disbeliever is removed from hellfire. We know Abu Talib died as a non-Muslim. So Abu Talib will not exit hellfire. But the shafa'a of Rasulullah for him is just to give him the smallest of punishment in hellfire. That he's not punished with a severe, the most severe. But really, the smallest punishment in hellfire is still very severe. There's no doubt about that. <clears throat> so Abu Talib, he died on kufr. However, a restricted form of intercession was accepted for him. Looking at the fact that he protected Rasulullah and defended him. Someone might ask, why was there an exception for Abu Talib? When you read the seerah, you'll see what Abu Talib did for Rasulullah even though he was a non-Muslim. He was his uncle. But he supported the Prophet ﷺ and he kept the harm of Quraysh to a huge extent away from the Prophet ﷺ. So there was an exception made for him. However, he was not granted success to enter Islam. And Nabi ﷺ presented Islam to him and was eager for him to enter Islam. But he refused. He considered that if he accepts his nephew's religion, he'll be disrespecting the religion of his forefathers. 
That's what Abu, that was the conclusion with Abu Talib. He loved Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He even deep down knew that what the Prophet sallallahu was on is the truth. But he could not abandon the deen of his forefathers. He thought if I left the religion of my forefathers, I'll be disrespecting them. And that shows you the danger of rejecting the truth. You cannot reject the truth no matter what. No matter who it's for. Because this is what it will lead to. The truth and the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal is above everything and everyone. And this was due to the pre-Islamic fanatism which he possessed in his heart for the religion of his ancestors even though he knew that Muhammad was upon the religion of truth. Nothing prevented him from accepting it except this pride and haughtiness. And that's why the worst type of pride, my brothers and sisters, is the pride that stops you from accepting the truth. And Nabi sallallahu in the hadith, he said, no one with an Aram's weight of pride enters paradise. So one of the companions, he asked, and he said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu he said, one of us loves for his clothes and his shoes to look nice. So this companion, he understood that pride is to wear nice clothes and whatever else. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah is beautiful and he loves beauty. He said, this is not pride. He said, pride is rejecting the truth and looking down on people. This is pride. So when pride causes a person to reject the truth, this is the worst type of pride. And that's the pride that leads to hellfire. There was a man in the time of Rasulullah he was eating with and the Prophet told him, eat with your right hand. So the man said, I can't. The man said, I can't. So the Prophet said to him, he made a dua and he said, may you never be able to. So that man, he lost all use of his arm. His arm became disabled, his right arm. That's the dua of Rasulullah But then the Prophet explained why he made the dua. He said nothing stopped him except his pride. It's not that he can't eat with his right hand. He refused, he rejected because of his pride. So pride that causes the rejection of the deen, the rejection of the truth is the worst type of pride. And we have to be very careful of this. Some people, even Muslims, they fall into rejecting the truth, rejecting a verse, rejecting a hadith, because their pride or their ego does not allow them to accept it. This is very dangerous. And, he, and Abu Talib is the one who said, indeed, I know that the religion of Muhammad is the best religion for mankind. SubhanAllah. Look at Abu Talib's words. I know the deen of Muhammad is the best religion for mankind. And had it not been that my people would censor me or feet of disgrace, you would have seen me accept it openly. Look what stopped him. Being afraid that the people will turn against him. Because he was from Quraysh, the nobles. Uh, this is a huge lesson for us. That the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal, we accept. And we implement and we follow regardless of the people. 
This does not concern us. What concerns us is Allah being pleased with us. That's the most important thing in a Muslim's life. So it was the shame and the fear that his people would censor him which prevented him from accepting the truth. Indeed, the Prophet ﷺ came to visit him while he was on his deathbed. And he said, O oh, uncle, say la ilaha illallah that I may use your testimony as a proof before Allah. Just say la ilaha illallah and I will intercede with it, with Allah for you. And at his side was Abu Jahl and Abdullah ibn Umayyah who was saying, would you abandon the religion of Abdul Muttalib, meaning your father. And the Prophet ﷺ constantly requested from him to accept his offer and on the other hand Abu Jahl and Abdullah ibn Umayyah would keep repeating to Abu Talib, are you going to leave the religion of your forefathers? And then he made the decision to remain, to remain upon the religion of Abdul Muttalib. <coughs> and he refused to say, La ilaha illallah. When he passed away, when Abu Talib died, and Nabi Wasallam was a human, he loved his uncle very much. The Prophet said, I will keep on asking Allah to forgive you until... Allah stops me from doing so. He said, I'm going to make dua for my uncle for Allah to forgive him as long as, until Allah Azza wa Jal prohibits me from doing so. And then Allah revealed the verse, مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ وَلَوْ كَانُوا أُولِي الْقُرْبَى مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ Allah brought down the law. You can't seek forgiveness for him. Allah Azza wa Jal says, It is not proper, it's not allowed for the Prophet <clears throat> and those who believe to ask Allah's forgiveness for the mushrikeen, even if they are their kin, meaning their relatives, after it has become clear that they are from the dwellers of hellfire. That's it. Once the kafir dies on kufr, there is no dua for him. There's not even dua for him when he's alive, except for guidance. May Allah guide them. This is the only dua that's allowed. For this is why <coughs> Abu Talib was an exception in the shafa'ah. But his intercession as the Shaykh says, is not to be removed from the fire, because he won't be. Rather, he only intercedes so that his uncle's punishment is lightened and that he be in the shallowest part of the fire. And what's the shallowest part of the fire? Where the soles of his feet, there will be live coal causing the brain to boil. This is the smallest punishment. Fire on the feet that causes what? The brains to boil. Allahu Akbar, what's this fire that Allah has prepared? We have to fear Allah Azza wa Jal and fear Allah Azza wa Jal from this punishment that he has prepared. <clears throat> and he will think that no one has a punishment worse than this. Abu Talib himself in that punishment will think he has the worst punishment. Allahu Akbar. 
And it's the lightest punishment in hellfire. May Allah protect us. So these are the intercessions that are specific to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As for the general intercession, it's for him and for the angels, for other prophets, for our prophet, the awliya. <coughs> they all will intercede for their brothers. Likewise, the general intercession will be for the children who died at a young age. The child that dies young intercedes for his parents. So this type of intercession is general. It will be for him and for others as well. And this is a summary about the shafa'ah that takes place in the next slide. So we know some shafa'ah is specific to Rasulullah and others are shared. The believers will intercede for one another in the next life. The children will intercede. The malaika will intercede on behalf of believers and whatever else. So the nusus, the, the texts of the Quran and the Sunnah, they all prove the intercession in the next life. And from it is specific to Rasulullah and others are general for him and the other prophets and messengers and the believers. Insha'Allah we will continue in our next lesson bi'ithnillahi ta'ala wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah